today? Or maybe that was um, those from first service that are in this service because y'all decided to come to second service instead today. That's what I would have done. But I'm preaching today, so I didn't have that luxury. Uh, my parents are the pastors of the church, in case you don't know that. And uh, yesterday uh, was not only my dad's birthday, as you might want to, you know, tell him happy birthday or something, but it was uh, his grandson, my nephew's birthday. So they're in Omaha celebrating um, birthdays and just having a good time. And it's my honor and privilege to get to preach today. As we continue our Encounter Life sermon series, uh, encountering the life that Jesus has for us and also sharing that life with those around us. That's kind of what we're talking about all month long. I wonder, has anybody here ever felt unqualified for something? Maybe somebody asked you to do something, and you said to yourself, I wish I could, but I'm just, no, I'm not qualified for that. Like, for me, it would probably be like math, (laughs) you know? If you came to me and said, hey, Marcus, um, anybody in school? Hey, like, could you help me with my math homework? I would have to look at you and say, I would love to, but I am not qualified. You don't, you don't want that. Okay, I went to Bible college. We had a, a math class that was just like ridiculously easy because they said, hey, these guys are going to be pastors. <laughs> and not the pastors don't need to know math. Okay, we know how to count because we got to count how many people are here. But besides that, it's sort of like, it's not my strong suit. Or maybe like, um, you know, you want to lift something. You know, some of you are overly qualified to be like helping people move because you just you work out all the time. Um, but others, it's kind of like I was uh, at a furniture store yesterday and this guy was going to help me move something. And um, I was like, you're not qualified to help me move this thing. He was kind of, you know, older and frail. And so somebody else had to jump in to help me move that piece of furniture. Um, or thinking about like, Uh, Give it up for our Grace Music, right? Worship team, they did a great job. I was thinking as I was getting ready to come up here, be like, that would be a really cool thing, you know, just to get up and get to lead praise and worship. Um, Little known fact, I used to be a praise and worship leader like years ago, okay? I, I I can't say that I taught Andrew everything he knows, but I can say that he learned something from me. Um, but Andrew, and I could brag on every one of the worship team members, but I don't have time to do that. But, like, Andrew uh, was born, you can call him Drew, right? You're getting confused. You're like, who's Andrew? Drew was born to do this. You know, getting up here and just seeing him uh, play the guitar and lead us into praise and worship and writing songs and doing that. Like, I'm so proud of him. Um, and it's fun just to see that happen. I can't say that I was born to do that. You know what I mean? I'm not technically qualified. And if you've ever heard my mom saying, like, she was born to sing, right? And for a lot of things, born to be mom. And my dad, him too, you know? Um, well, not, I didn't mean to say born to sing because he wasn't. But he was born uh, to, to be a parent. He was born to pastor. You know, he has a heart uh, that loves this church. He was born to preach. And when you get into your right thing, that's good. But sometimes we feel like, man, um, I, I'm in this thing and I just don't feel qualified. I'll give you one more example. A couple years ago, Charity and I bought a house in Lenore, uh, and we, we, we've since moved to Hickory again. But uh, that house was a big old house. It was built in the year 1900, okay, and it hadn't been renovated since like the 60s or 70s. And then we go in, we buy it, and the thing needed to be fixed up. Now, there are people here, and I'm looking around at some of them, that feel like you, got, you could just go in there in a couple days or a couple months or whatever. The whole thing would just be beautifully renovated. Uh, for us, see, to give you a little backstory, 
um, I've had these homes before where it's like, um, you know, the hot water in your shower or whatever, you're turning the little knob and then it just sort of like falls off. And, um, you know, you, like a real like plumber, a real handy person could just kind of put that back on. You know, I tried putting it on, tried stripping the screws and doing everything else. But uh, I find that it, they have these little, these tiny little um, vice grips, they like look little wrenches. And you put it on there and it kind of snaps on. And that works just as well. You know, you turn the thing on, <laughs> turn it off. And it stays there for like months or longer. It's like that's 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 my plumbing. Like that, I'm a I'm a plumber. Get one of those little tools. It costs a little more than like a knob, but I mean, I, I don't know that I was qualified to flip the house, but we ended up doing a pretty good job and uh, it, it had a good experience. But there's just a lot of things that I feel like I'm not qualified for. Many of us, as we talk about the Encounter Life sermon series. Uh, it's about sharing our faith with Jesus, something that we have all been commanded to do. So even if you don't feel like you're good at it or whatever, the point is Jesus has commanded us all to share the good news. But we look at ourselves and we think, hey, is that something that I can do? Uh, when we did our study, statistically speaking, 85% of people in our church today and in the churches in America have obstacles that prevent them from sharing their faith. Okay, so 85% of people in America, uh, in our churches, evangelical churches, this is churches that say the Great Commission is important to me. Um, I feel responsible to share the good news about Jesus Christ. People in those churches, evangelical churches, have obstacles. They're not sharing the faith. And here are some reasons why. There is fear that stands in the way. We don't want to be pushy. Some people don't know what to say. And one of the biggest obstacles is we don't feel qualified. We don't feel qualified to share the good news. Uh, open your Bibles to John chapter 4, and I'm going to read directly out of this training guide. If you don't have a training guide uh, with you today, or, or if you don't have one at home because you didn't get one last week, uh, then raise your hand up real high so we can give you one. Some of the ushers are going to run around and thank you um, just to hand out those training guides. And I'm on page 17, and it has John chapter 4. And let's look at a woman who society said, you're not qualified. But she went ahead and she did it anyway. It's a little bit lengthy. And um, what we like to do in our church sometimes is to stand while we read the word of God. So let's go ahead and stand as we look at um, uh, some select verses uh, in John chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a sound of Samaria called Sychar, near the field of Jacob, uh, had given Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to get food. The, uh, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Verse 13, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. 
The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you say is true. Verse 39, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and, and uh, I thank you for the power that is in your word. I pray that that uh, word con convicts our hearts and lives and shows us how we can live. Anoint my words that they be uh, powerful and effective as well in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When we think about the woman at the well, it's a powerful story because she wasn't necessarily qualified to be sharing her faith with people uh, because maybe of her lifestyle, because what society said about her. Uh, point number one is Jesus is in pursuit of the world. Jesus wasn't just going to the rich and the famous and the most influential. That would have made sense. Jesus wanted to have great influence in this world. So typically, he should go to the ones that are the most influential, get them on his team, and then the word would spread. But what he does is he said, I have to go through Samaria. When he says, I had to go through Samaria in verse 4, that doesn't mean that was the only way to get to Galilee. In fact, there was a more popular route, a route that most people would have taken because it didn't go through Samaria. Most people said, I don't want to go through that neighborhood. We don't like those people. There was a complicated history uh, between Jews and Samaritans. The, the ancestors of the Samaritans were the Babylonians that had come in and taken captive all of the Jewish people. And they just kind of held a grudge. And, and there were uh, people that were looked down upon in society. But Jesus says, that's exactly who I want to talk to. Jesus went out of his way to go to people that did not know that uh, he was the Messiah, that did not know um, what, what God had been uh, speaking to them. Uh, in the same way, we should go out of our way to meet lost people. I don't know about you, but, you know, for me, I work in a church, uh, and I also work for a nonprofit organization that is uh, run by Christians. I, uh, my, my friends are Christians. You know, I, I hang out with my small group people at church, and, and they're wonderful believers. Even my neighbors, a lot of them are Christians. It, it, it's just, it seems like uh, it's, it's hard for me to know that there are lost people outside. Now, maybe you work in a, in a place where there are just tons of unbelievers. But it's important for us just to remember, hey, we can go out of our way to, to encounter lost people. That is what Jesus did. It's not in your notes, but in, in John chapter 1, 14, uh, Jesus is the word. And it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What God did was he left heaven he came out of his way to become a man to show us the good news. In fact, he is the good news. And so that's what we can do today. We can go out of our way to share the good news. Uh, and that's what I want to challenge you with uh, this morning. When I moved to Hickory uh, about 11 years ago, I moved over here to Longview. Uh, it's about two miles away. My house was about two miles away from church. And um, I, 
I've always been an extremely literal person, almost to a fault. You know, it's, it's kind of complicated. You just tell me to do something, that's, it gets on Charity's nerves. Uh, my wife, she's like, I, just, just go with me, Marcus. But um, the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so I just took that very literally. And I just began to pray for my neighbors. I began to love my neighbors. When the lost becomes this idea, it's harder to love the lost. But when you actually get to know people that are far from God, it becomes a lot easier to love them. When the lost has a face, when the lost has a name, when, when lost people have an address, then it becomes so much easier to actually love them. And that love overcomes the fear. Um, I'll, I'll come back to Longview in just a minute, but let me tell you, if let's imagine you're in a boat, okay? Icy cold water, you're cruising through the water, and, um, you know, it's an ocean, there's sharks swimming around on the, under there somewhere, you know, and somebody says, hey, you want to go for a swim? You want to jump in? I'd be like, no way, man. Uh, I'm not jumping in the water because... Uh, that's scary, you know. I mean, I'm not afraid to swim in the ocean with the sharks, but I am afraid to get in the water if it's icy cold, okay? You know, the polar plunge, we've done that before, but uh, not, I'm, not, I'm not a fan. I have nothing to prove, okay? <laughs> um, but now let's imagine it's the same boat in the same scenario in the same place with the icy cold water and the sharks and everything else. And then, um, you know, my daughter's on the boat with me, and she's got her little life vest on. And we like to go to the YMCA, and we swim, and I'm teaching her how to swim and kick and whatnot. But let's say she falls, up, falls off the boat. Okay, now everything is different. It doesn't matter how cold the water is. It doesn't matter if I can see the little shark fins sticking up out of the water or not. I'm going to jump in to rescue her because I love her, and I don't want anything to happen to her. Even my wife, Charity who is deathly afraid, not of sharks, but of the cold, okay? Because uh, she's from South Carolina, all right? And, and she thinks this is cold because she's moved up north, up here to North Carolina. <laughs> I'm serious. She's not here to defend herself, but because <laughs> she's taking care of our daughter right now that she was in first service. Like, I moved here from Nebraska where I think my sister said they had over 48 inches of snow already. So I'm here in the south. All right? But it's all relative. Charity's here. She moved up north, okay, where it's cold up here. <laughs> just kicks me. I just laugh thinking about it. She would even, trust me, she loves our daughter so much, she would jump in that water and risk hypothermia because there's absolutely nothing that would stand in her way uh, because she loves our daughter. What's my point? If we begin to love the lost, it doesn't matter so much that we're afraid to talk to somebody about Jesus. This is the greatest news, and we want our friends and our family and, and the people that we love to hear this good news. And that's what happened when I moved to Longview, because I started to love my neighborhood. And when I found out that my next-door neighbors were Buddhist, it was kind of a game-changer for me. Because I said, man, these people don't actually even, you know, we've all met people that confess that Jesus is the Lord and Savior, and you kind of wonder about them, and you're thinking, okay, well, you say that you're a Christian, but I don't know, not so with these people. They didn't even claim to be Christians. They didn't go to church. They didn't even know much about Jesus. And I kind of thought, who is going to tell my neighbors about Jesus? They're not going to hear it at their temple. They're not going to hear it with their coworkers because they work with other Buddhist people. They're, they're not going to hear it unless I tell them about Jesus. 
And then I had other neighbors as well. Some of them were atheists. Uh, I had a neighbor that was agnostic, which is basically just to say, I don't really, I can't prove that Jesus is God, and I don't, I don't, can't prove that he's not God. I can't prove that there is a God. Can't prove that there's not a God. And I'm just going to live my life and do what, what I feel is right. Okay, and I had others that were even in church for years, but then walked away and were not a part of any church. Um, maybe they still loved God, but they were farther from God than they, than they wanted to be. And so I had the, a different group of neighbors, and, and I had a heart for them because so many of them were far from God, not all of them. But what I did was I did something intentional. I, I loved them as myself, so I prayed for my neighbors every single day. I even had some people that, people that came to this church uh, to preach. They were from out of town. Instead of giving them uh, a hotel because they brought a whole group of them, they, got, they stayed in my house, and I stayed with my parents or somebody else. And uh, I said, hey, you're in my house right now, so these are your neighbors tonight. So I want you to pray for these neighbors. I want you to uh, ask God for opportunities to witness to them. And I just took it very seriously in kind of an intense sort of way that I don't even understand, to be honest with you. But what I did was a couple times a year, and this was before I knew what Every Home for Christ was, which is the organization that I work for, and before Encounter Life had been created to reach every home in America, before our app was created, um, I would take an engager and I would go to their house just twice a year, Christmas and Easter. And I would bake a, a, some cookies and I would go and I would say, hey, just want to say Merry Christmas. Here's some uh, cookies for you. And um, I'll, I want to invite you to a Christmas Eve service. So I just did that. And um, we did the same thing around Easter time. I might uh, take a New Testament Bible or I might just take something over there and I would say, hey, want to say, uh, you know, Happy Easter. Our church service is meeting, you know, Easter Sunday, 9 or 11. You'd be surprised at how many people are open to the gospel and open to you inviting them to church during Christmas and Easter. You know, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing that we would have that opportunity. And so, you know, a lot of people didn't take me up on that right away. Um, but it took six or seven years. But when I talk to people about my neighbors, they look at me and they say, Wow, how did you get Buddhist people to come to your church? And I say, Well... Uh, it's not like I got them to come to the church. I just prayed for them every day and invited them twice a year. That's all I did. Um, and and so for some, that kind of sounds like a lot, but for some, it's, it's not that much. And so the point is, I looked for those opportunities, and, and I was able to see testimony after testimony and good news after good news uh, as a result. Um, the, the father of the house, of the Buddhist house, he passed away. And that kind of hit me hard because I was like, man, I didn't, I never really had an opportunity uh, or I never really took the opportunity to tell him specifically about Jesus. I invited him to church several times. You know, we sort of became friends over the years, just a little bit more so like acquaintances. But I said, hey, man, the other three people in his house, uh, they're still alive and I still have an opportunity to share the good news with them. And, and so I did. And when the wife was said, hey, um, I need help because uh, my lawnmower is, is broken. You know, talk about feeling unqualified. <laughs> That's, I, we have vice grips, anybody. All right. <laughs> Worked for the hot water. Um, but I, I tried. And I went and I said, hey, I'm going to try to fix the, uh, the lawnmower. The bushes that were between our houses were just getting kind of out of control. And, uh, and her husband used to trim them down, but, but now that he, he's gone, they, she asked me to help, and I said, sure. 
we had a little big old tall ladder and a chainsaw, and I'm up there trying to, to do the thing. And, uh, you know, she was wanting to hang blinds inside of her house. And so I'd never been in their house before. I'd only been to their door and knocked on them. to. And she said, hey, would you come over to my house? And I'm helping her hang blinds. And uh, just looking, you could call it servant evangelism. You know, or you could just call it getting to know somebody and loving somebody and t- uh, taking care of needs. And because I was able to do different things, looking for opportunities to serve and to love, they did eventually come to our church a couple times. Their kids came to the young adult Bible study that I had at my house. And we were able to articulately explain the gospel and actually share the good news with them. Had other, other testimonies as well. Um, uh, the Catholic family that lived next door to them, uh, the dad comes over one day and he says, hey, my son has run away from the Lord. He's, uh, he's living a, a life of sin and he's getting into all kinds of trouble and can you help me pray for him? So we prayed for him and believed for God to do a miracle and he ended up coming back to the Lord. He got plugged into our youth group. Uh, he came to our Bible studies uh, and he began, his life got turned around. Uh, the, the Southern Baptist family, one time uh, they, they had, uh, not that there's anything wrong with being Southern Baptist, but th- this family in particular, they left uh, church altogether, okay? And one day that they came by my house and I was mowing the grass and they stopped the car and they said, hey, uh, you're that guy from that church over there, right? I said, yeah, I sure am. What, what, what's going on? Hey, we were wondering, would you mind inviting us to your church again? <laughs> I said, I don't mind at all. Would you like to come to my church? Yeah, sure. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> I said, it starts at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. I said, all right, we'll come. They came.